Welcome to season seven of DFS MVP episode 159, the first regular season episode of the year. If you're new to the DFS MVP podcast, we're a strategy-based podcast. Every week we go over our favorite values on FanDuel and DraftKings, and then we also add in a theory segment to make you better at DFS from the macro to the micro this week. We're going to be talking about finding week one anomalies and trends to exploit. Uh, we have a couple other DFS shows kicking off uh, every week. Uh, Matt and I on Monday mornings, we will be doing a cash game review that will be um, at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p. Uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, every week on Saturdays, I will be coming out with a Yahoo-only DFS show with Matt Harmon. Uh, that'll just drop Saturday mornings audio only. And then Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern time, myself and Jordan Vanek will be in our subscriber-only Discord talking our last-minute GPP strategies. Again, that's subscriber-only, so if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you get your DFS subscription and sign up for our Discord. If you want to get a discount on that, use promo code DFSMVP. You'll get 10% off, and if you haven't signed up for prize picks yet, you can head over to 444.com slash prize picks. Details on how to get a DFS sub for as little as $20. Uh, so make sure you are signed up for all of that. Before we get into everything today, I want to tell you about Underdog Fantasy. It is one of the most fun ways to spice up your fantasy football season. In addition to DFS, now Underdog has a brand new pick'em game. Just pick the over-under on your favorite or your least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog Keeps it super simple. Use their website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you can take home some cold with hard cash with the code 4 for 4 You get $25 bonus cash when you sign up and make your first deposit. That is for first-time depositors only. The bonus cash can be used in any underdog game, no matter how you start off. If you go to 4 for 4 we have underdog picks by Zachary Kruger already up on the site as we speak. Go to 444.com slash underdog. Use the promo code 4 for 4 All right, let's get into the fun part of this podcast we've been talking preseason general theory for five weeks now um now it's time for what everybody's really here for the the value plays and like i said um every week we we go over values at each position uh matt first of all welcome to week one uh how you feeling oh. about everything well i'm thrilled to be at this point we finally grind ground down the first slate yeah, man. we got our first set of articles in we were just uh bantering before the show a little bit about uh what a whirlwind week one always is <laughs> yeah, uh yeah. but it's great to be back on it uh, back on the grind and let's get into some value plays we have some crazy games on this slate I'm really excited to get into it yeah it's going to be a fun one we have a lot of uh no matter what site you're playing on a, a lot of value we don't have like the crazy free squares that we have sometimes in week one but uh sometimes True. we get like the the running the the forty five hundred dollar running back or something like that but we have uh we have a couple wide receivers some pass catchers that are pretty cheap but uh let's start at the quarterback position who are you looking at in week one well I'm going to go a little bit off the wall, but you're going to hear about this game another time in this podcast. I'm going to start with Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts in this game against Atlanta. Yes, he's a slight underdog, and he's playing in a dome, which we don't have to worry about any uh, kind of concerns with weather there. But I think with Jalen Hurts, it's the rushing upside that he brings and the price discount that you get. He's 6400 on DraftKings, and... 
based on looking at the projection-based ranking versus the salary-based ranking, he looks like a solid value. Uh, I think this is going to be a game environment in general we want to exploit. You could even stack him with a Devonta Smith, who is at a middle-tier price this week, and you could probably get a wide receiver one out of it as well. But I will say, if you're just thinking of ultimate ceiling for Jalen Hurts, it is insure. It's about the rushing, the overall rushing, and so with uh, with this great game environment and the fact that they're only slight underdogs, I think Jalen Hurts has a lot of upside here. Yeah, I I love Jalen Hurts. Um, you talked about the game environment, and everybody talks about his rushing. What people don't talk about a lot is last year in two of his three starts, he went over 300 yards. I put out a poll on uh, 300 yards passing. I put out a poll on Twitter who's more likely to get the a double T DK bonus, which is super rare. I think we have I think we had one from CMC, um, and then like one from Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. But I think Jalen Hurts has legit double DK bonus in his range of outcomes this week. 300 yards passing, 100 yards uh, rushing. So I love that call a lot. Uh, The guy I'm going with, I mean, it wouldn't be a a four for four show. It wouldn't be a show that I'm on if we didn't start the season with Josh Allen. I promise I won't bring him up every single week, uh, but but this week I have to. I mean, he's he's near or at the top of all of our value reports, no matter what site you're looking on. 8,100 on FanDuel, 7,400 on DraftKings. Um, I've talked about all uh off season how important it is to target these dual threat quarterbacks these efficient not just mobile but efficient mobile passers wrote a huge article uh in the off season that basically described how big this tier is of uh passers that are in this category and then how big the drop off is to the next guy so even in DFS, it's really important to target these guys. I mean, they just lap the field, and this week there's enough salary available to to make it pretty easy to pay up for uh, the mid to the high range. Uh, Josh Allen's the QB3 on both sites, and we still have, like, the, the sites. We know Patrick Mahomes is probably the best real-life quarterback um, in football, but he's still priced so much higher than the rest of the field, and his fantasy output isn't that much higher than the rest of the field because of all the things that I just mentioned. So it doesn't make sense going all the way up, especially in cash games. And you are getting a pretty big deep discount on Josh Allen, who's uh, the bills have a 27 point implied point total. That's the third highest uh, of the week. And if you remember us talking about the DFS playbook last week, that implied point total is the most relevant number when we're trying to project our quarterbacks and, and, even more important when we talk about how the Bills are going to score their points um, and who's going to collect most of that scoring, it's Josh Allen. Obviously, we know he passes and runs, but he scores a ton of their touchdowns. Uh, only quarterback uh, that's active this year that accounted for 75% of his team's total yards last year and over 80% of their offensive touchdowns. So I just don't see uh, I don't see a way I'm getting away from from Josh Allen in cash. Really, the only way, like you mentioned, um, Jalen Hurts, because he is enough of a discount there And if you're trying to open up something uh, elsewhere. Uh, let's move on to running backs. Uh, I want to get this out of the way, and I kind of want to get your, your quick thoughts on it. Um, anytime we have Christian McCaffrey on the slate at a – semi-reasonable price he's probably going to be a lock and then on on FanDuel where you're trying to get up to you can often get up to two stud running backs we're probably almost going to have always have those guys as our top values um we try obviously not to be redundant on the podcast but I think it is really I think it's really important just to bring it up this week because it is week one we might have a lot of new listeners I mean, I'm pretty much locking in CMC and Dalvin into my all of my cash game lineups. Are you pretty much on par that 
this week. And then when we do have these high price um, dual threat guys that like they're always going to be our top values. Yeah, it's it's really hard to move away. Premium running back touches are what we pay up in salary for first and foremost when we're talking about trying to fit and create an optimal lineup. So especially with Christian McCaffrey, who catches so many passes per game, yeah. it's a little bit different when you're talking about half PPR and then Derrick Henry is the only premium running back. That's not what we're talking about here. These are premium pass catchers on their team as well. So there's really just no reason to fade them unless it's contest specific. So yes, we don't want to be redundant. We don't want to talk about the players that you took first and second overall over and over and over again, but it's worth mentioning if you're here for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, CMC isn't priced so far above the field that you have to really think super hard about it. Like we might, we'll probably get to a point uh, at some time in the season where he's blowing away the field in terms of salary, especially when we don't have all of the big running backs on the slate. But I mean, just look at DraftKings, 30.7 DraftKings points per game dating back to 2019. It's just, it's, it's Ladanian Tomlinson type numbers and, and maybe even more um, beyond those, those big four, at least the, the big two, depending on, on who you like this week. Um, who, who are you looking at as a different value at the running back position? Well, shout out to my guy, Raheem Moster, who didn't quite make the list, but he was on my mind, that's for sure. I'm actually going to talk about a player who I usually don't love in DFS, specifically tournaments, because him hitting his ceiling requires a huge amount of efficiency on the ground mm -hmm. and touchdowns. Yeah. But it's Nick Chubb, and it's really a game theory uh, idea with Nick mm -hmm. Chubb this week. He's in a massive high total game. He is in a matchup against a Kansas City defensive line, which is most likely bottom five in the league. It is a weak spot for their defense for sure. And he's going to see very limited ownership because like we said, we're on this slate where we can jam in two of these top uh, running backs that we already mentioned. So if I'm thinking about this game environment and the possibility of Cleveland hanging around with Kansas City, it's probably through a ceiling game from Nick Chubb. And I'm just looking at his salary and seeing what he needed for for him to be a really big value play to get 3x value. And he actually hit that twice over his last six games after coming back from injury based on his current salary right now. So this is not out of the question for him. And this is uh, even if they're in a negative game script. I know he doesn't catch passes. So I'm really saying I think touchdowns could happen. But mm -hmm. Nick Chubb really looks like a value based on how little he's going to be played by the field. Yeah, is I mean on on DraftKings I think he's pretty much out of the question as a cash game play. On FanDuel he's yeah. priced barely as a top ten um, running back. Last year Casey was a bottom ten defense uh, uh, against running backs. And again, FanDuel does weight touchdowns a lot more. Is there any way Chubb ever makes it into a cash game lineup for you, or is it just a, a field play in GPPs? Oh, see, I think you could do it because, like I talked about in my cash game article that came out last week. You need your high-priced players to meet salary-based expectations, yeah. not necessarily smash them. And mm -hmm. he did hit 2x his current salary value in all six of his final six games, um, just looking at who the Browns were at the end of the season that was more indicative of who they hope to be this year. So uh, it's not out of the question, especially if you feel like you're super thin at wide receiver as you're building out your cash game lineup when you jam in two running backs. I could see a situation where you move there, but it's 
absolutely thinner, like you said. Yeah, it's 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 thin, but and and again, that's that's probably only a Fanduel play. Uh, my guy, who I, I think we don't have projected for crazy high ownership on four for four yet, but I, I think when I do the the Saturday sweep, it'll be a little bit higher. Uh, James Robinson, fifty nine hundred on Fanduel, sixty five uh, sixty four hundred on DraftKings. Robinson in in cash games at least. If I'm locking in the two high priced plays, um, he's actually my preferred flex. I, I love. Uh, I'm I'm basically paying up for three running backs uh, on both sites this week. I think that's my my preferred build, and we'll get into that in the theory segment a little bit more. And then if I'm going with a more balanced build where I'm only selecting between a, a CMC or a Dalvin, I think he's my obvious running back to Jacksonville. Is only a small road favorite. We do like to have bigger road favorites, but I mean this is a Houston team that. They legitimately might be the worst team in the league on, on, on overall, but especially on defense. Uh, they were last in schedule just fantasy points allowed to opposing running backs last season. They might be even worse this year. Like they've got rid of the few good players they even had with with uh, Travis Etienne out. I think Robinson is still in line. I, I don't know if he's going to get the 80% touch share that he saw over the course of the season last year, but I mean, 65, 70%, which we kind of want from what we call our, our workhorse is the cutoff. And, and I, I think he hits that. I, I know people say are saying Hyde got some of the goal line work in preseason. Like sure. Maybe that's I mean, my concern, but, TJ. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I, I get it, but I mean like almost every running back save three or four guys is going to have some kind of goal line vulture concern, whether it is a, whether it's their quarterback or another running back. And I, I mean, I just don't see Hyde coming in and getting 35% of the work. So if I can get a, a running back, that's going to get 75% of the backfield work as a favorite against this awful Texans defense, I'm going to take it even in cash games. Uh, and even though the the spread is only three points, I think pretty in a couple weeks we're going to be realizing pretty quick that every week, no matter who's playing Houston, it's a potential for a blowout opportunity. And, I mean, Jacksonville's going to want to get off to a fast start. New coach, new quarterback, a lot of new players here. Um, so I, I can see them coming out hot. And if that happens, Robinson's in a really good game script. Uh, let's jump ahead to wide receivers. For those that are new, we give one player at every position except for wide receivers a little bit deeper. So we each give you two. Um, let's start with a couple of guys that you like, uh, a couple of cheaper guys here that you like, actually. Yeah. And, you know, you can go to our articles, which are free this weekend and talk and see all of the top tier players that we think are viable. And spoiler alert, it's a lot of them. Uh, but let's go down and try to find some of these wide receiver values, especially if we've talked so much about trying to jam in all these top-tier running backs. We're going to have to get some value somewhere. So let's start with this Minnesota versus Cincinnati game that could easily turn into one of the highest-scoring games on the slate with Joe Burrow likely to throw plenty and at least a concentrated amount of offense on the Minnesota side of things. Well, I was surprised to see that Minnesota's defense really graded out poorly over the last 10 weeks of the season. It had the third worst defensive series success rate. That's the ability for the defense to stop an offense over the course of four downs. They had the third worst in the NFL, and it was the same over the last five weeks. So they weren't improving as the season continued. He is top 10, Higgins is, in terms of dollars per projected target, and that's a great way of finding value. And I still believe that based on the opportunity share he received last year, his air yard share and his target share, that he is the wide receiver one in Cincinnati, regardless of the drafting of Jamar Chase. And 
obviously narrative bits aside about him dropping passes, there's a lot of uncertainty there. So for 4,700 on DK and 6,000 on draft, uh, excuse me, reverse, 4,700 on DK, 6,000 on FanDuel, you could do a lot worse than the possibility of getting the wide receiver one in a sneaky shootout game. Uh, he's projected consensus inside the top 24. He absolutely has top 12 upside, and he's wide receiver 41 in salary on DraftKings. Yeah, I I was looking at this game. Um, I I obviously do the ownership projections at the side. And we adjust them a lot. Uh, again, on Saturday we'll see a lot of changes from Thursday. But kind of going into the week, going into the season, we had a lot of hype on um, the Bengals, their pass catchers, Joe Burrow, obviously. And I I thought that the Cincinnati side might be a side that was um, like a a popular cheap uh, stack. And actually it turned out after I did the initial projections, it's actually the Minnesota side that people are on. And and that's not even weighted by, by Dalvin cook. Uh, That's just the, the cumulative passing game. They rank pretty high. So uh, I was kind of surprised by that. But uh, when you use really good machine models, like, like uh, Kevin's at local four for four has, he shows you things that, that take out your, your dumb bias. So actually the Cincinnati (laughs) side now, after, after uh, I saw those numbers, they're actually kind of intriguing because I don't think they're going to be nearly as um, as popular as I initially thought. Um, another guy, this guy in, in a game that everybody thinks could be high scoring on both sides you like. Yeah, and I'll, I know the, a lot of the field is going to be thinking about Michael Pittman, and it's certainly a possibility. He was drafted in the second round last year. He showed flashes of why he was drafted there. He could be their alpha, but... Paris Campbell, in limited usage last year before he went down with a season-ending injury, one game, nine targets, 108 air yards, 28 routes routes run, 83% snap share. And this is a player, remember, who was uber-talented coming out of OSU. He outproduced Terry McLaurin, his teammate, uh, a 90th percentile athlete in terms of speed and burst. And uh, though he did miss a practice or he was limited with an Achilles injury, he's back practicing in full. Um, And we like this game environment with the Mm -hmm. Seahawks, even if they are an underdog, with the Seahawks likely to score points and likely through the air, we're likely to have a faster pace of play, more passing plays, and that means more opportunities for these pass catchers. And with that uncertainty surrounding Indianapolis, I like to bet on Paris Campbell at 3,700 on DraftKings. He can help you get to a lot of different premium players, especially love it for that reason. Yeah, before um, before the Carson Wentz injury, I had uh, looked at a couple things. Look ahead, um, implied point holders, look ahead lines for all 17 weeks, and then odds that futures that came out for teams that are likely to score the most points. And Indianapolis surprisingly ranked really high on both of those numbers. And then Carson Wentz got injured. Everybody cooled off a ton on the Colts. So I think they're going to have a lot of early season value in DFS. Obviously, if they go nuts this week, um, that value might disappear because they might end up being chalked pretty quick if they stay cheap. But uh, this offense just in general is one that I think is going to be uh, sneaky. And if people are targeting this game, it's probably going to be – thinking it's let Russ cook time and they're running it back with JT. So I like the Paris Campbell call. Um, anybody cheap that, that you want to just throw in real quick? Yeah, with Jamison Crowder officially ruled out today, we can say that uh, at least we know where the top two receiving options in the New York Jets offense are. And it's Corey Davis 
and Elijah Moore. And at minimum price on DraftKings, you could do a whole lot worse than Elijah Moore. Uh, this is a player coming out of the second round out of Ole Miss. And he's just had a ton of former players and current players just talking about how good of a player he is already. I know that's narrative-based, but I tend to perk up when the rest of the field is talking about how good this player is. I think you'll see a very different offense, almost a Shanahan-style offense with quick passing games, quick out passes, and Elijah Moore could thrive and get some easy PPR targets in the process. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to see the Jets logo and uh, and not be able to separate the Adam Gase the first couple of weeks of the season. But this is a this is a way different team. Uh, Traycon Smith also rolled out, so we're probably going to see Marquez Callaway's uh, ownership shooting through the roof and him become becoming a really uh, chalky cheat play. But we just got that news right before the podcast started about Traquan. Um, moving on to a couple of guys that I really like, um, high price guy. Again, I, I think we could probably say. Devontae Adams, anytime he's on the main slate, he's basically the CMC of wide receivers if you have the room for him. But I wanted to specifically mention uh, Tyreek Hill this week, 8,500 Fanduel, 8,200 on DraftKings, because he is a player that I think in cash games, uh, people are often hesitant to play because the worry is, is it a Tyreek week or is it a Kelsey week? And I think those um, those concerns are somewhat founded I, I i did a, a mini study uh earlier this season that showed that they often do uh ping pong back and forth quite a bit sometimes for extended stretches but we we added the 444 dfs correlation tool this season which is a really cool way just to see um we we kind of know league-wide correlations pretty well quarterbacks with wide receivers opposing quarterbacks opposing wide receivers running backs with defenses but on the specific team specific player level hard to get that data now we have that data available to us at four for four what i found tyreek has a crazy high correlation to patrick mahomes 0.50 which is uh, quite high above the league average for the wide receiver one. That's really and high. Then, yeah, and then with with uh, Mahomes with Kelsey, 0. .30, so that's like kind of what you would expect from a primary pass catcher. So basically what that's telling us is that Kelsey's much more likely to go off independent of Mahomes. So if Mahomes goes for like a, a measly 250 and two or something like that, Kelsey might still have a, a really big game whereas Tyreek typically his big games coincide with Mahomes big games and in a game with the the highest over under the week the Chiefs with uh with, with the highest implied point total the game that's really looking like it's favoring the pass game especially on the Chiefs side um I'm really liking Tyreek and confident in him as a cash game play especially on FanDuel where touchdowns are heavily weighted and it's a little bit easier to get to him um I really like Tyreek in all formats and he'll be popular in um in gpps for sure but I, I think that he's definitely soured cash game players before but i'm into him uh we already mentioned elijah moore and and briefly uh marquez calloway another bottom barrel salary receiver that i love this week is rondale moore at 4900 on fanduel and three thousand dollars on DraftKings. Uh, he's a top six value wide receiver on DraftKings according to the four for four lineup generator now just the way salary works like we're just often not going to see the um the low salary wide receivers be top values on Fanduel because you usually don't need them um on DraftKings, a lot of times they're the backbone of making your cash game lineups work rondell moore is going probably going to be the number two guy behind uh deandre hopkins it's it's aj green christian kirk and rondell moore they spent second round draft capital on rondell moore he's a guy that matt Harmon in reception procession called golden tate with a little bit more juice and i think 
in a game where we're expected to see a shootout against Tennessee, uh, we could see that juice flowing early. Tennessee closed 2020 ranked 30th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And those kind of stats, like looking at last year numbers can be very dangerous defense versus a position. And in general, we have to be careful with defense first position. But what we typically see is that teams on the extremes of those numbers, like bottom five against positions, that's usually pretty sticky. It's really hard to be pretty much the worst in the league against a position. And then all of a sudden get good. Uh, the only exception is, is tight end often, but I, I don't think Tennessee has done much to expect them to all of a sudden be some shutdown defense. And, uh, I, I just like this game environment in general, and I like Rondell more because it lets me get to my expensive running backs, my expensive quarterbacks that we've talked about already. Yeah, I love that call. Um, moving on to tight ends. Again, we, we kind of already talked about Kelsey um, and Hill and that game in general, but if you're trying to save at tight end, anyone standing out to you on uh, FanDuel or DraftKings? I can't believe I'm here after a month of looking over these prices. I can't believe I'm looking at Kyle Pitts and yeah. I'm saying I'm a go. Yeah. I am a go for Kyle Pitts this this week just because of the game environment. We touched on it a little bit when we were talking about Jalen Hurts. I think this is your run back option if you can't get up to Calvin Ridley. Yes, there's Russell Gage. But I'm just thinking of this in terms of who is the highest probability of being the number one overall tight end when – it's not Kill or Kelsey. Mm -hmm. I know that the, the probabilities of those two are much higher than the rest of the field, but I think Pitts has a unique amount of that probability left over. And I think we're going to see right off the bat that he has rare playmaking ability at his position, and he's going to be used differently at his position than most other or any other tight end, at least rookie tight ends. So we know it's a game environment that's conducive to scoring, a game environment that's conducive to passing. There's enough uncertainty from the rest of the field that's playing against us that people aren't going to be looking there. And even though he's more aggressively priced on FanDuel, that we might be able to use that to our advantage. People are going to say, well, he's not nearly as good of a value. We might see reduced rostership on FanDuel specifically for that reason. And if you're talking about a player who has the ability to enter the the rarefied opportunity air of tight ends. That's 25% of team targets and 25% of team air yards. Only Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, and Mark Andrews are in that club. I think you're going to see Kyle Pitts enter that club as well. And I just want to do a thought experiment for one second. How would we think of Kyle Pitts going into week one if he were a wide receiver? If all we had heard out of camp is all we what we heard about Pitts, that he was special, he was unique, he was living up to the hype, we saw one play in the preseason where he breaks a 27-yard run, what would have his redraft oh, yeah. ADP done? Yeah. I don't think gone. he would have gotten him in the fourth. No, he'd be going ahead of Jamar for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's possible. It's possible. Even though we've been talking about how he has to have basically the best rookie tight end season ever to hit. I think it's possible he starts it off with a bang right here against a Philly defense that has struggled against all positions, but most importantly was bottom 10 against QBs, and that's what I'm really looking for when I'm looking for uh, breakout games from pass catchers. Yeah, and this is why a DFS, There's, I think there's probably always going to be an edge, but especially week one and early season, like 
We've been spending all offseason playing best ball, playing redraft, talking about guys we like and don't like, and then week one comes, and then we like completely flip it on its head. Like two players that I've been out on all offseason are, are Kyle Pitts and Mike Davis, and one guy that I've been all in on is uh, Trey Sermon, and then week one comes, and I'm like, give me Pitts, give me Davis. I'm on Mostert over Trey Sermon, and it sounds like super contradictory, but that's just how the, the nature of the beast is so different, and we do have to like remove those biases. So, I mean, I'm still like not upset that I have no Kyle Pitts, but they start off week one in a spot that looks like it could be really good for him. Uh, so yeah, especially the way he's valued. Like, I mean, you talked about his, his price on, on FanDuel on DraftKings, he's priced super soft, but that also just means in, in a couple of weeks, he might be up near six K and then we never play him again. Cause he is slightly above average, but not great. Uh, so it's, I mean, it's, that's, that's what DFS is for. You want to ride the wave uh, before he's too much. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm going to go back to, to a guy that you touched on, and it's just because the the way we talked about a few of those cheap receivers, uh, they just open up things this week to where George Kittle kind of just seamlessly fits into my cash game builds this week. Uh, Travis Kelsey, like you can you can get to Kelsey if you love him, um, but but you're going to probably have to really take a sacrifice at least at your flex position. It's it's easier to like get the two stud running backs with a, a Devontae or a Tyreek because there are some cheap tight ends like like a Pitts or, or maybe like a Conklin. Um, but but Kelsey just kind of makes it awkward uh, to maneuver your team in cash games where George Kittle just fits right in. $7,000 FanDuel, 6300 on DraftKings. Uh, again, going back to the DFS playbook that we dove into last week or that you can look in on, on the Strategy Hub or, or even your FanDuel cash game article, um, these trends that are good for for tight ends, these scoring opportunities, big favorites, high implied point totals, the 49ers, they're they're everything betting wise is moving in the 49ers favor and it's not slowing down. They're up to an eight point favorite. Their implied point totals up to 27. They started the week uh, with the eighth highest implied point total on DraftKings Sportsbook. It's all the way up to the fourth highest implied point total on DraftKings. And I, I know there's a lot of thought going into the season of can Kittle like maintain that 26, 27% target share you saw a couple years ago. Um, a lot of that had to do with the concern about Trey Lance being a quarterback. And then obviously there are more weapons, but we're already starting the season with IU nicked up with the hamstring. Like I think he's going to play, but lower body injury is never good for a wide receiver. And then at least for week one, we're getting Jimmy G under center. So I, I think at least this week, we still see Kittle with that huge, like 27, 28% target share uh, in a really good game flow scenario. Uh, let's wrap it up with defense. Uh, who are you liking at defense this week? Well, again, please go to my cash game article to talk about some of the higher floor defenses because I'm not going to mention it here. Gulp, I say in the show sheet. I am going to choose the Falcons defense here. I like this. I like this a lot. <laughs> the Falcons defense is more of a bet on what I'm calling an ugly shootout game environment with the Philadelphia Eagles, where we get a lot of turnover-worthy plays on top of some splash plays as well. So I want to mention that this is a tournament play more so than a cash game play. But when you rank the defenses this week by ceiling, and then you look at the comparative pricing, there is no one in the Falcons' salary range that has a ceiling score like them. 
So if you're looking to take down that big GPP and you're trying to fill it out with a roster that feels much more safe in the other positions, then I think you can consider getting unsafe with the Falcons. Now, one of the things that I I actually brought this up that I was going to choose this defense to a buddy who's from the Georgia area this morning, and he goes, oh, oh my gosh, please, please don't. They're terrible. And so, you know, that was my gauge of the public perception yeah. <laughs> of the Atlanta defense, that they're terrible. And then you go to the PFF unit grades, and they're actually just average in coverage. And they're average in pass rush. And they're just slightly below average in rush defense. And then in the metric that I've talked about, defensive series success rate, they're actually slightly above average over the last 10 weeks. I'm not calling this a world-beating defense, but this is not a putrid defense that the the first glance at the implied total suggests to people. So I think you could do worse than the Falcons defense in a tournament. Yeah, they're they're the lowest uh, salary favorite, and they're they are a home favorite. And the great thing about fantasy and and especially defense is like they don't need to be good to score fantasy points. It's not the same thing. And I, I think it's why a lot of people struggle at fantasy and especially struggle at DFS because a lot of times we're playing players or teams that aren't the most talented um, of the week, but but that's not how fantasy scoring works. We're looking for opportunities, and I would argue that on DraftKings, they are a cash game play because we aren't looking at things in a, a vacuum. On, on FanDuel, you don't need to, to do use them in, in cash. Um, but on DraftKings, they open up enough salary where the, the high floor of the other players that they might get you to still raises the overall floor of your lineup um, than going up to like a $2,800, $2,900 defense. And again, I, I think people, that's a, again where people can really get lost that are new to DFS. You want to get every yeah. position correct. And we don't care about getting every position correct. We care about having the best lineup as a whole. And, and those sound like, how are they not the same thing? Um, but, but they're not like you're, you just don't need the perfect defense here. So I actually would argue that they are a cash game play um, on DraftKings specifically. Uh, another one that is um, priced low, but I, I think probably a higher floor team for sure is the bills 3,600 on FanDuel $2,500 on DraftKings. Uh, there's not, a ton to say here. We're kind of going to be looking at the same thing every single week. We're looking for favorites. Obviously, if we could pay down when possible, that's great. Uh, the bigger the favorite, the better. If they're at home, great. Bills favored by six and a half at home. Justin Edwards ranks the Steelers as a bottom five offensive line unit. That's obviously um, a very good thing for our defenses if they can get after the passer and get sack potential. Uh, Big Ben ain't running away from nobody, so I don't, we don't have to worry about that. And then with Josh Allen on the other side, we already talked about how much we like him. If if the Bills can get out to to a big lead quick, that's just beautiful um, game environment for Buffalo. We've been talking about FanDuel uh, with all of these positions. If you're new to FanDuel, a new fantasy player, your day's about to get 20% better. Start playing fantasy this season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit up to $500 by going to FanDuel.com slash DFS MVP. 
It's a big time bonus and all you have to do to claim it is make your first deposit. Uh, we've been talking about cash games on here a ton. One of the things we love about FanDuel is the structure of their GPPs. Really high percentage of payouts. Uh, we really love like the higher stakes and mid stakes single entry GPPs. They have a ton of single entry contests that uh, we both prefer. So I would really check those out you can go to my twitter or go to our discord to check out the specific structures that we really like if you aren't into playing the main slate games they have a ton of other formats uh they have single game they have best ball they have weekly snake drafts you can play private contests with your friends uh and one of the best things this week uh they have opportunity at um a million dollar prize pool the sunday million which we covered in the dfs playbook uh you can figure out how to navigate every single position if you go there and we've already talked about our favorite values at every position this week uh so sign up today fandle.com slash dfs mvp to claim your bonus and start playing that's fandle.com slash dfs mvp age and location restrictions apply bonus issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days Every week, if you're new to this podcast, after we go over our values, we look at a uh, a trend or a theory in DFS or in the NFL that's going to get you better. We don't want to just sit here and tell you who to play. We want to talk about things that are going to make you better at DFS. And going into week one, it is the week where we have the least information. It's the week where we have no data except for last season data, which I already mentioned can be extremely unreliable. Um, and there are lots of opportunities to exploit the field, to exploit the markets, to exploit ownership and salaries. Uh, it's the best week if you are crazy and you think everything that we say is dumb it's the best week to ignore it uh because we don't know um <laughs> as much as we're going to know next week or the, or the weeks going on so this week we're going to talk about finding week one anomalies and finding trends to exploit and matt i'm just going to throw it to you what's um what's a big point of emphasis that you pay attention to in week one that might not be as prevalent as we get on later into the season well, it's something that I keep in the back of my mind, basically, as I'm doing research the entire first week of the mm -hmm. season. Here we are. It's that Vegas and the Vegas totals that we rely so much upon as the basis of our research process is less clear about what they know about the upcoming season, about these teams. So we need to take advantage of that uncertainty when we're applying it to this game. And I think the easiest way to do that is to look at games that Vegas says are toss-ups, are just close in general, and then just going with underdogs. And these are teams that we haven't necessarily touched on that much, but teams like the Chargers or or, or Washington, really, the, because they that keeps flipping back and forth. That is a game that the most likely outcome is a low-scoring defensive battle. But don't pretend that a shootout isn't in the range of outcomes for either or both offenses. And that is the kind of uncertainty that isn't available or isn't suggested inside of a first week Vegas total that you, as someone who's knowledgeable of the NFL and these players, can sort of take advantage of. And in the same way, the public also has an amount that they don't know, and that includes us. But you can take advantage of people's fear of the unknown, 
I think the Rondell Moore pick, really any rookie playing in their first game, and we've had a few in this in this show already, is a great example of just getting out ahead of the curve, us thinking about players who are most likely going to be higher in salary because they had breakout performances. We want to enjoy that week where they get those breakout performances at low salary. And finally, we have a lot of young QBs this year, and young QBs in general tend to behave a little bit differently on the field than the rest of the cohort. They tend to run a little bit more because they're young and they usually have rushing upside, not to mention the designed rush upside from uh, the new era of rushing quarterbacks. They also throw to their running backs and their tight ends more often because they're looking for short dump off passes. So the last thing we need to take advantage of on top of that is that they make mistakes. They make mistakes more often. And so even though Trevor Lawrence looks to be set up in a really good spot against the Houston defense, and I believe that Jacksonville is going to win that game, it doesn't mean that he's going to come out unblemished. He's going to make a rookie mistake, or one of them, Wilson or Jones, is going to make a rookie mistake that you can capitalize on by playing their defense. So definitely check out defenses versus rookie quarterbacks as well. Yeah, um, I mean, going back to to what you said about just looking at, at point spreads, looking at the opportunities where Vegas might be inefficient when they might not otherwise be. I've looked at, at early season, like week one through four lines and, and pretty consistently, um, especially at, at the top and in the mid tier, like Vegas is just slightly um, undershooting the, the uh, upside of games. So we see games in that like 26 and up range, like kind of, always go um, not always go over but consistently go over more so than later in the season so there's a lot of leverage there by trying to target some of these teams that do have those 26 27 point and play totals and then because they know so little like the whoever's making the betting lines they have as little information as they have all year as well so they're going to lean on these teams that were better last year more like it's not a surprise that the chiefs the Titans and the Bills have the highest implied point totals of the week because that's who everybody thinks is going to be the best offenses, but it doesn't always work out that way. So there, there's like a lot of um, opportunity to target those second tier of, of teams. Um, you talked about the the public's fear of the unknown, and, and I want to. There's a couple ways that I want to talk about how you can lean into that, and one of that, one of those ways is you already mentioned uh, Raheem Mostert briefly, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on on, on that uh, situation specifically. But leaning into these situations where we're not sure, and in week one, um, or in any situation really in fantasy, I think you you kind of always hear people they want to say. Uh, they want to see it before they believe it. And the way that's going to play out in DFS terms is that when we have these situations like a Mostert versus a Sermon, like a Melvin Gordon versus a Javante Williams, like the Saints, Jets, and Cardinals pass catchers, people are just going to say, I don't know what's going to happen, so I'm going to avoid it. Or we're going to have the flip side where we don't know, but people that make projections are going to be insanely overconfident, and we're going to see ownership on an ambiguous situation that acts like we, we know. The way to take advantage of that is to either be on the side that the public isn't on when we don't know, or just to attack those situations where nobody's going after it and say, I'm going to take my shots. And if I hit, I'm going to be able to lap the field. So, I mean, those are a few situations that, um, 
that just kind of stand out. But you mentioned Mostert specifically, so I, I kind of am interested in your take on that situation. Well, I think here's the general rule I go by when I'm looking at ambiguity. I want talented players when they're not going to be rostered by a majority of the field. So this this equation kind of changes based on rostership. If Moster and Sermon have essentially the same rostership because the rest of the field is just looking at other places, then I'm probably just going with Moster because yeah. he's objectively the higher projected score and I don't really differentiate myself any further. So I just am... I just would be guessing with going with Sermon, but if there is mass, if there's a massive difference in how they're being rostered, how they're being utilized, then it becomes a very different equation because Sermon is a very talented back, and we've seen number two and even number three backs in Kyle Shanahan's system just take over a game. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Anyone? There are opportunities for Trey Sermon that are going to occur most likely this week. But us absolutely saying it's going to result in a breakout performance is is not fair. That's just not something we're able to project. So right now, I do like Mostert better. If by Sunday morning it's very clear that he's super popular and no one's on Sermon, talk to me. I might have changed my mind. Yeah, uh, kind of on the same note of like leaning into those um, ambiguous situations, I, I think one thing I wrote down is I'm, I'm more willing to pay for the known, especially in cash games. And, and we talked about paying all the way up for um, these elite running backs. And the reason that I'm, I'm really likely to hit uh, the lock button on CMC and, and Dalvin this week is because all of these, like we don't have a lot of, of reliable spots otherwise we have a ton of ambiguous backfields we have a ton of ambiguous pass catchers and in week one there aren't players like for wide receiver for example it just doesn't make sense to go up to like a 5k or a 6k wide receiver whereas later in the year we have more information we might be more confident in those picks early in the season i'm just those high variance positions, those high variance situations, I'm just going to lean to the variance even more and then pay up for what I do know for these quarterbacks, for these running backs. When we get later in the season, we have more information. Maybe I will like pass up on a Dalvin for a most certain cash because I have a, I have a read on like what the situation might dictate in that backfield. But early in the season, um, I'm just I'm not really willing to do that, especially in week one when we have literally nothing to go off of except maybe some some preseason, a few preseason snaps, maybe a little coach speak. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, a couple other ways, and and these are just kind of general um, tournament um, uh, theories, but they they are things we can really lean into heavily in week one, and it's like. Uh, things like a price pivot. I mean, you can look at situations and we can have very similar salary guys with huge differences in ownership. A couple that stand out, like we have, I already mentioned James Robinson, but again, you mentioned concerns about Carlos Hyde and we have players around him, uh, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hutt, uh, Damian Harris, like all guys that can be pretty valuable they can have really big games they have game scripts that play out really well for them but robinson's the only popular one in that price range we have players like dk metcalf adam thielen and keenan allen who are in a range around a a lot of um other popular receivers and they're not but they're all very capable so acting like that we know what those situations around them are going to be like going into week one uh a lot there 
another situation that I think is um, I always kind of think about going into the the year, and I want to see if you have any guys that pop to your head, um, but targeting redraft sleepers early in the DFS season. And the reason I say this, I know I kind of talked about like players I like and don't like with, with uh, like Pitts and, and uh, even Trey Sermon. But if we've been doing our homework all year and we have a pretty good idea of players that we expect to be very good in very good situations, the DFS community, either casual players or salaries haven't caught up to them. Um, I want to get in on those guys early in the season when I can, because one, they're going to be a better value than they are in a couple of weeks if, if we are right. And two, they're going to be more popular in a couple of weeks uh, when we are right. The most obvious guy was Josh Allen last year. If you were on Josh Allen early, you probably did really well um, early in the season. Um, a guy that stands out to me this year is, is Tua Tagovailoa and the entire uh, Miami passing game there. They have a super low total this week. Um, a lot of industry people have been touting him as like a guy that could take uh, a second year leap, including myself. They have a ton of really talented pass catchers. They have an extremely low uh, over under implied point total, a game that's supposed to be low scoring. And if people, people have been talking about like Damian Harris, I've even seen like some Jacoby Myers and, and not talking about Miami. So like, that's one that stands out to me. Are there any like random redraft targets that you think could pop um, that you haven't really seen talked about in week one? I think they're hiding in plain sight in this podcast. I think mm-hmm. people are still scared of the New York jets. Yeah. I think people don't, understand that this is an entirely new regime and you know for years we've basically been saying just get off the new york jets offense there's absolutely no need to look at them we don't even need to talk to them talk talk about them uh in most of these situations because there's just no value there but this is very different you know this is a coach that was highly coveted this is a, a brand new offensive mind, a Lafleur, who's who. That's that's offensive coordinator royalty yeah. in the NFL, and and there's a ton of the old San Francisco staff, one of the uh, one of the most highly considered uh, coaching staffs in the league. So I think we could see a quick turnaround. Not to mention the fact that they drafted good players, in my opinion. Zach Wilson has a ton of upside. We just talked about how good Elijah Moore, their second round pick could be and Corey davis if he can stay healthy he could be a quality possession receiver for them or or an alpha receiver with jamison crowder being that typical possession role excuse me this isn't as scary of a team all of a sudden i I, i'm fine with them right off the bat yeah and i mean again this isn't like a a gpp theory podcast but christian mccaffrey is probably going to be the most popular player on the slate so uh flip that on its head and and uh and, and play the Jets. Uh, you kind of already touched on like up top of the theory segment, just leaning into things that Vegas um, is going to, to give us a little bit of leeway on where we don't have those opportunities later in the year. Um, I talked about it in, in the DFS uh, playbook that we found this situation where games where home underdogs typically have lower scoring games and Vegas oddly has not accounted for that. It's just this really weird market inefficiency. You you can go to my wide receiver article, or um, I kind of retweeted the thread on it on Twitter. Um, but I mean, basically, what it means is that when we have popular teams um, in games where the the home dog is a um, where the home team is an underdog, it, it could be an interesting spot to fade. One that that really pops to me is, is Cincinnati versus Minnesota, especially on on the Minnesota side. We see them gaining some popularity as, as the week goes on, even outside of Dalvin Cook. And then um, another thing that I, I like to look at is uh, 
teams that whose cumulative ownership or roster rate doesn't match up with their implied point total. So I, I mentioned earlier, San Francisco's implied point totals climbed all the way up to fourth. We have them projected for the uh, 11th in cumulative ownership in terms of their passing game. Uh, if we flip that the other way, teams that whose point totals are dropping, but their, uh, their ownership is rising. Atlanta, sixth lowest implied point total, um, up to third in cumulative passing ownership. A lot of that's Calvin Ridley. And then I just mentioned Minnesota, fifth in cumulative passing ownership, down to ninth in implied point total. Um, Another thing that you've touched on, I actually kind of want to hear if you have anything to say about small slates, but just look for overlaid special offers. In week one, there's a lot of sites just throwing um, money, throwing yes. bigger tournaments than you would usually see. There's there's two millionaires on DraftKings this week. Uh, Yahoo has their million-dollar baller with no rake. So that these are a lot of things you're only going to find in week one. So. We're talking about anomalies and trends to exploit. We're talking about players. These are game selection anomalies and trends. We're not going to have these overlay opportunities. We're not going to have as many games available. We're not going to have as much money in the pot. Um, and we're probably not going to have many rake-free games. Any any like quick um, overlay or, or late slate or small slate things you saw uh, or that you're going to fire at this week? This might be a little bit of a 2015 piece of advice, <laughs> but if there are deposit bonuses on any yeah, of no. these sites that you get – please take advantage of that because it's often just the first time and just if you can max it and get that double deposit bonus that is like that's like winning a whole slate that's like going 100 percent in cash games that is uh, as good as you can get so i, I just yeah. wanted to add that there um in these in these tournaments where people get free vouchers free tickets i know i got a free one to a, a fan duel tournament last night you got to differentiate yourself a whole lot. I think I saw the uh, the millionaire last night on FanDuel. Anyone who got first place ended up with a little over 1k. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. I would rather I would rather differentiate my lineup so that when I win, I win alone. Although 1k sounds nice. If you are in these big free tournaments, just remember you're playing a ton of different people and you really need to differentiate yourself. Yeah, no, your your deposit bonus advice. I don't think that's that's 2015 advice at all. If people haven't played, they just a lot of times they don't know this stuff's available. We just talked about, um, you know, Fanduel offering 20% back on on your deposit. Um, Yahoo's giving you a free 10 bucks. A lot of times, what people don't realize, if you only play, uh, if you only play NFL DFS, if you take all your money out in February and you haven't played since then shoot the side of email and say, hey, I'm thinking about playing on this side or that side. Can you guys do anything for me? A lot of times they'll just match your deposit if you just ask. So, I mean, the worst they could say is no or ignore you. Um, so, I mean, if you're if you're somebody that's playing 100 bucks a week and you could scrounge together 75 bucks in, in deposit bonuses, like that's a pretty big win. So I, I think that's, that's excellent advice. Um, Matt, that is it on week one man I, i'm excited that we're finally into it uh i hope that you and the listeners have a a fantastic dfs week uh obviously this is if you're watching this now it's on youtube of course once we're done it will be on all major podcast platforms please rate and review on itunes please like and subscribe on youtube it helps us out a ton and again if you're looking for another way to get access to the dfs sub 444.com slash price picks to get access for as little as twenty dollars that's for new price picks users only uh again on mondays 
Matt and I will be back here at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, That's 2 p.m. Eastern time to do a live cash game review of hopefully our winning lineups. You can find me on Saturday. Come roast us if we lose. (laughs) Yeah, come chat us us up a little bit and and see how you did. Saturdays, uh, Matt Harmon of Yahoo and myself will be releasing a Yahoo-only DFS pod. That'll be on DFS MVP uh, feed as well as the Yahoo stream. And then Sunday mornings on the subscriber-only Discord, myself and uh, Jordan Vanek giving our last-minute GPP thoughts. Make sure you follow us for more fantasy goodness. 444 is at 444 Football. Matt is at Draftaholic. I'm Matt TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys in week two.